Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Hey, 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 Bass Edge Nation. We are back at it. May 15th episode, the greatest bass fishing podcast on the earth. That's right. Thanks so much for joining us again here at Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, what do you got going, buddy? Man, that was quite the opening. I'm not sure we can validate every single <laughs> one of those facts, but uh, I like the way it sounds. But Hey, as long as it's good in my mind, it's good in everybody's mind, right? <laughs> That's right. Your mind is a dangerous place. You should not go there alone. That is for absolute certainty. But uh, no, as always, we are brought to you by MegaWare Keel Guard. You know what? There are some competitors out there, but there is only one original MegaWare Keel Guard. Do it yourself. Protect your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. Put on the protection the pros pick. Visit them at KeelGuard.com to see their entire lineup of products. So, Kurt, I've got to throw out to you. I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now, but uh, speak to me a little bit about Lowrance and the fish reveal. Yeah, this is something we haven't mentioned the last couple episodes. I got mine updated, got my carbons going on my new Ranger 520L. Super excited about that. And this fish reveal update, make sure if you've got Lowrance units that you are keeping those units updated. Lowrance now is, uh, you know, great part of our Bass Edge here. They're doing lots of great things to continue to just update that software for your units. So to get some of the latest and greatest technologies, you don't need to go buy a new unit. What you need to make sure you're doing is updating those units with the latest software and the latest is the fish reveal that came out with this month before last at the classic shot it out there people starting to update their units man they've really got this thing dialed in what fish reveal does for you really highlights where the fish are versus the structure versus the cover it just lights up the whole unit man it really makes it vibrant and really helps you depict what differences are of different things that you're seeing down there in the lake are you thinking the common application where it's really going to stand out is kind of in the vertical fishing game on the drop shotting? Or are you thinking there's a lot of other uses? Yeah, tons. For me, my biggest advantage from where I was and using my sonar, my Lawrence Electronics previously, now the side scan is really taking it to another level for me. I was pretty good at identifying on down scan 2D sonar, down imaging with my HDI down scan on my trolling motor. But now really with this fish reveal on the side scan, I can really pick out bait fish, game fish, and really decipher the difference between the structure and cover versus the actual fish in the water. So that's where it's really helping me. And I think a lot of people out there, it's really pushing them to the next level with their ability to read and decipher what side scan is trying to tell us. Well, we all know I need as much help as what I can get trying to catch a fish. But uh, a lot of the times the problem is just finding them. You know, people are very, very good at being able to catch them, but it's really trying to distinguish, you know, where those concentrations of fish are, what they're holding to, what they're relating to. So certainly, as we always talk about on Bass Edge, information is power. Look forward to uh, everybody's kind of staying on top of that. And like you said, with the carbons and technology that's out there, it's just another tool in the toolkit. Yeah, definitely. We got another tool in our toolkit coming up here in a second with the uh, protecttheharvest.com tackle tip.
today's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with FLW Tour Pro Chris Johnston. One of my favorite techniques is throwing a spinnerbait or a chatterbait. And one of the keys to my success over the last couple of tournaments is tipping my chatterbait or my spinnerbait with a jackal rhythm wave 3.8 swim bait. I think it gives the bait just a little more action. And when you kill the bait, it just adds a little extra wobble and that tail flutters when you kill the bait. And it's going to get you a few more bites. I highly encourage you to give it a try. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Aaron, you know, just as I've had a few weeks off since uh, the last event at Smith Lake in April. I am fired up getting ready for Kentucky Lake. I've heard it's been not great. Some days it's good, but uh, Kentucky Lake's going through something right now with this Asian carp deal. Have you heard about this stuff? I've heard a little bit, and I was curious to pick your brain a little bit. And I know you're just kind of in the practice mode getting ready before the big show, but you think the funk is more from that, or do you think it's because of really the crazy spring and weather that we've had? I actually think they're having some kind of impact. You know, you look at some of the scientific things and the mass quantities of these carp and how that they affect the ecosystem by, you know, basically just sucking in all of those plankton and smaller things that those bait fish live off of, you know. So it's something that's going to take a toll and affect the the whole ecosystem because it starts down at the bottom, right? It's starting down at that bait fish zone and, you know, the bait fish can't grow up and can't survive very well. So then what's that effect? It affects the predator fish and on through the cycle we go, right? So I do think it's having some kind of effect. I think with anything in the environment, it tends to all balance out after time. You know, you see these swings at the beginning, whatever those swings might be, good, bad, or indifferent, but eventually it all just kind of balances out. And I think that it will do that. I have never never been a great Kentucky Lake angler. I've been to Kentucky Lake maybe four or five times now in my career. Usually it's in June out in the deep ledge stuff. And there's probably going to be a few fish caught out deep this week, but I'm saying shallow, my friend. Well, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. I mean, almost this could be a bit of an equalizer because I think as anglers, you know, throw this out to all of Bass Edge Nation, but we kind of get into these habits, right, of thinking where the fish should be. Well, in reality, sometimes the fish might not be where we think they are. And like you said, by 
perhaps going to the bank and doing something that uh, isn't the traditional. Those fish don't always necessarily, the concentrations at least, don't always hang out on the ledges. Am I correct on that? For sure. Obviously, we're here earlier than I've ever been here. You know, mid-May, you know, I've caught some decent fish here in the past in early June. So, you know, there's still shallow fish, some shallow fish at that time. But for the most part, you get your butt whooped by people fishing out deep. So the thing with these Tennessee River lakes, it seems like those fish come up, get shallow, spawn. You know, you get the little mayfly hatch going, the bank grass going, and they kind of thrive in there for a few weeks. But when they leave, it's an excess. They're gone. They're out there into the channel. They're out there in the current because that's where the mass quantities of bait fish are. And that's where life is easy out there. It's not easy up in the shallow. So the good thing about this year is that, you know, it's earlier. So I'm going to put that hopefully to my use. And I think you're going to find me over in Barkley a little bit too. So, really? uh, wow. yes, sir. Yeah. Just because you know what, man, when you've done this enough and you haven't had success doing one thing every once in a while, it's time to throw a curveball at it and see where it lands. And that's what I'm going to plan on doing this week. We'll see how it goes. Still a little bit of time left here to kind of dissect exactly how this term is going to break down. You know, I'm not saying all my eggs are in a basket other than I'm fishing pretty shallow. That's <laughs> so right. We'll see how it all goes, man. But two events left in the season. They're all important. Hey, you're on Stockton Lake. What's going on out there in your part of the woods? Yeah, very excited. You know, Stockton, it's the third stop on the Web Outdoors Central Pro Elites. Very excited. Always love this lake. It's a smaller lake. You know, it has two arms, two main arms. The downside to it is that you get a uh, wind and it can get nasty in a hurry. And I'm talking five, six foot rollers if you get the, a north or a south wind. So again, I am going to be fishing shallow as well. It seems, you know, this is a lake system that the city of Springfield uses as a water source. So it kind of falls into that category of it's not like those giant reservoirs like most of us are used to fishing. So it can fish a little bit smaller, but this time of year, it's a lake that probably in the summertime, before they get into the brush piles and, you know, in the winter, you could easily go up there and it might only take 11 or 12 pounds a day. But also I have certainly seen it to where it takes 22 to 24 pounds a day to win a tournament. So very interesting. It's loaded with big, big bass. It has the river system. It has the main lake stuff. It's clearer. So it's just my type of fishing. And it's a lake that you can run from one end to the other very quickly. You can change arms so you don't get locked in. To me, it's a lake about decision making. And you cannot get caught up in the past, much like what you were talking about with those fish being on the ledges. If that doesn't work, you've got to do exactly what you said, Kurt. Just pick up and move and do something completely different. So looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I think that May is an awesome time of year because fish are still very, very active. You know, the spawn for the most part is complete, obviously up north. Some places still just getting into it. You know, you go up to Champlain, they're coming. <laughs> it's coming. But you've got most of the country, you know, a lot of the spawn is completing. Even down in Amistad, we're still fishing shallow a lot. You know, throwing a lot of top waters this time of year. You can go back to past Bass Edge episodes. Be sure you dial into some of the shad spawn type stuff. Down south, you know, the bluegills are starting to spawn. Those water temps are getting in the 70s down there, really starting to amp up. And uh, there's a lot of great opportunities. Really, you know, we've talked about it in the last 
last several episodes, but March, April, May, June, these are the primary months. So if you're trying to get a kid out there going fishing, you're trying to get your own line stretched, this is the time to be out there. So make sure you guys hit the lake. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, we're going to talk more about shallow fishing with our next guest. He's an expert at shallow water flipping and pitching. We're going to have a BASS Elite Series here giving us some tips and techniques that you won't want to forget. We'll be right back. This is 2018 Bassmaster Elite Angler Chris Bro. This is NLW Cup co champ Brian News. I am Pro Angler Clark Green. This is BASS Angler of the Year Greg Hackman. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard Keel Protectors. This episode's featured angler has worked his way through professional fishing for many years. No stranger to catching big fish and being around the top of the leaderboard. Super consistent when he fished the FLW Tour and now fishing the BASS Elite Series. Appreciate you being here today. Bass Elite Angler Matt Heron. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have you. You know, and Matt, we were talking before the show about the scheduling and kind of its uniqueness this year. How has the life of a Bass Pro been with this odd schedule that has occurred for you guys on the on the BASS Elite side this year? Because here we are in mid-May, and you're just three events in. Was it kind of tough to stay fresh in the lull between Lake Martin in February and the Grand Lake in, in late April? You know, it really has been. It, uh, it's been a different year. Seems like, you know, we, we our season ended last year, kind of first October. And really, we've done nothing. Uh, we had the, the first event at Martin, and now here we are going into May, and I've done a lot of fun fishing, trying to stay, you know, up to date, but it's it's kind of been a different year. Yeah, it certainly has been. um, Bass kind of keeping that Sabine and having to reschedule that really kind of shifted things up. But, uh, you know, it was was interesting, Matt. We were talking the other day on the phone, and just there you were talking about going out and fun fishing, and uh, you were talking about some hooks. And uh, you are a flipper and pitcher. I think that is your true love. Would that be correct to say? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I like to flip and pitch anything. It's, uh, it's just my comfort zone. It's, it's kind of like uh, when I deer hunt, I'm a bull hunter. So I kind of like close quarters, hand-to-hand kind of deal. That's right. Well, we've seen you on TV doing it a whole bunch. I remember the uh, Bull Shoals event a year or so ago that uh, you were just crushing them on there. And, and many episodes, whether it be an FLW event from back in the day or, or the last several years, uh, as you've been fishing on the Elite Series, you've been really hammering them and, and uh, doing well with that flipping, pitching kind of shallow water technique. You've been with uh, Reaction Innovations, your boat wrap for several years. And that is the epitome of, of a lot of where flipping and pitching came from with the beaver right i mean that was uh one of the baits that nowadays all of us uh had started with you know flipping and pitching and really kind of doing those plastics rather than the jigs but before we get into baits and and those kind of things from a fish behavioral perspective for you what do you feel like is the primary and also the secondary periods of the year to target shallow cover flipping and pitching you know you got two good zones for flipping and pitching I like it all the way from the pre-spawn in that 55-degree water temperature up 
all the way through the, the spawn, and then I pick it up again late summer. Seems like, you know, those fish, after they transition back in from going to, to their summer haunts on these deep structure stuff, and you start getting thermoclines set up, and then it kind of picks back up late summer all the way through the fall. So that's my key times for shallow water flipping and pitching. With those times of year and those zones like you speak of in mind, what would you say the primary cover targets during those periods or, or those times of year, and what draws you from one? target or one cover type to another? Any actual cover in the water can be a great target for flipping and pitching and a lot of it's going to depend on the lake that you're actually fishing at the time. You know, you could be on a lake, it's a grass lake, it could be anything from hydrilla to millfoil to shallow water willow or primrose, wood, rock, docks. Any kind of shallow cover that fish relate to, as far as ambush points and targets, is a great opportunity to flip and pitch. Matt, if we break down some of those primary cover targets, we're here in mid-May. Obviously, you know, kind of the northern part of the country, really just kind of getting that spawn going, the midsection of the country, kind of still lingering with some of that spawning activity. This time of year, if I'm a Bass Edge listener and I'm going to go out right now and look for some of these targets that you're speaking of, spawn. You mentioned that time frame of the spawn. Do you have to kind of work your lure a little bit differently? Your presentation, does it alter through these behavioral patterns? And if so, how does it and what are you looking to do to really make it successful? Anytime I'm fishing in the spawn and I'm flipping and pitching, the biggest number one variable you got to have in mind is more than likely you're going to have to make multiple presentations to a particular target. You have to have the mindset that the fish are spawning. In a lot of these situations that I like to flip and pitch, you can't necessarily see the fish on the bed. You know, let's tell you, you know, if you're fishing the lay down, I'll really saturate a lay down with multiple presentations in each key corner nook cranny of a tree trying to make sure that I give a, a spawning fish an opportunity to bite. That's the key variable in that late May time frame when in the spawn where, you know, necessarily in the later months or in the fall that, you know, I'm a one presentation and just covering water. So that's the difference in the spawn deal versus later in the year. With that same application, let's say, for instance, Matt, I'll throw you kind of two scenarios on, on that I've seen and experienced. I'm sure you guys have too. When you go, let's say, head into the back of a pocket or a cove, you might have a lay down or two versus if you're fishing let's say more of a river type system there might be a series of laydowns so are you doing that kind of when you have a lot of laydowns or a lot of cover like that are you going to saturate each piece or are there certain things that might make you skip over one or not cover one as complete well you have to break down each piece of cover as it comes to you you know how it's positioned where it's at if it's in a spawning cove, is it in the back? Is it on a sunny bank, on a northern-facing bank? Or all those variables, you know, and you, you have to have a picture in your mind of understanding how those fish spawn and where they set up at. And those targets, whatever they may be, some of them will be a higher percentage than others. So time is money in this sport, and you have to really dissect water and break down cover. And that's just something that time on the water has taught me exactly what key pieces of cover to really break down and tear apart on a higher percentage opportunities to catch fish. How about patterning these uh, flipping and pitching techniques, Matt? I mean, you talk a little bit about how to break down some of these targets and, and the different types of targets. Does flipping and pitching seem like one of those things that you can really break down a pattern throughout the lake, or do you feel like it's more uh, location-oriented? Like, you know, there's certain coves that just have them. You could fish 100 coves, but only three or four are going to have them. Or let's say it was earlier or, or later in the fall, like you mentioned before, you know, like main lake rock or something of that nature do you feel like once you get on something that you can pattern it or is it seem to be more of a location area for you well throughout my career 
career, the reason I feel like for my success is everything I do revolves around patterns. I'm trying to duplicate patterns all over the lake whenever I'm trying to establish a game plan for a particular event or whether I'm just fishing. So, yes, patterns are very key to me. I feel like that I'm looking for the next bite and every bite that I get. I got a question that I ask myself all the time. Every time I get a bite, why? Where was he at? What was he doing? And then I'm looking at Lake Master mapping, and I'm using all the tools available to me. Is he was here in this kind of cove, and he was halfway back, and whatever the variables were. And I start instantly looking for another cove or another area like that. And uh, I moved to it. And that's all it's about. It's it's pattern. I am a pattern guy. Do you feel like it's easy to duplicate at times when you get into that, or sometimes do you get frustrated and, you know, you got these, let's say, couple bites doing it a specific way, and then you kind of try to run that and then run into a roadblock? You know, it doesn't continue that pattern for you. And I know that Bass Edge Nation sees that a lot. I know I see it a lot in my fishing. How do you deal with that, and how do you tend to adjust, you know, if you're trying to stay with that flipping and pitching technique when you run into a roadblock? Do you just start all over, or how do you deal with that? Sometimes you have to start all over. Sometimes a particular body of water will just limit you to, you know, it's a certain kind of spot that's conducive for that kind of technique, and you just have to find more spots. It just depends. That's a big, broad question, and it's hard to deal with at times because of the bodies of water we're fishing. You could be fishing one of the best grass lakes in the world and get on and stumble onto a wood pattern, and there's not very much wood there that'll present itself, but yet you could put together a little something, and it's more about a spot. So in a perfect world, you know, I would look for something else that I could actually pattern and then run come up with multiple areas but sometimes it just don't work out and you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, sure. Matt is it safe to say that that's where the mental aspect comes into it of, of scratching the head and kind of banging your head against the wall? You know it really is. That's the part about this sport that I actually love. I mean it's not the physical end of it. I mean everybody now can flip and pitch and there's really no secrets as far as baits and lure selections and stuff. It still comes down to the mental part of it and it's matching wits with a green fish that, you know, I would say about 70% of the time he wins <laughs> and 30% of the time that, that you win, you know, you, uh, you feel like King Kong. Catching fish is actually the easy part. Once you locate them and get on them, I could probably take just about anybody in the country and get them around them and they can catch them. Yeah. But it's actual location of it. That's the part to this day that still I thrive on. I love the hunt, so to speak. And that's what I pride myself in being able to do is multiple, you know, is duplicate shallow patterns all over the country. That's a great breakdown right there. Before we go to break, let's get into a quick discussion on rod setup, line size, hook designs, bait selection. So before we go to break, let's try to get into rod setup and line size. If I'm going out there and I'm wanting to pitch and flip and listen to this interview and do this like Matt Heron does, because I've seen him on TV jacking him, it looks like fun. <laughs> What's the basic rod setup and line size that you would start with under standard conditions? Standard conditions, I'm heavy action, 7.6, flipping stick kisser rods i've been using for years man and they, and they got so many different models of it whatever fits your needs and your budget they got it and then ardent reels been with those folks for a while now they're really holding up good gamma line on my line three deals on flipping and pitching if i'm grass i'm, I'm braid anything else on fluorocarbon on flipping and pitching and i only use two sizes anymore as far as the fluorocarbon goes it's a uh, 16 or 20 pound gamma that's kind of the rod and reel lines i mean it's, it's pretty simple it just depends on how thick the cover and what the job requires at the time sure let me ask you this. have you gotten into i've been using this a little bit but it's kind of a newer concept for me that, that i've seen guys use for the last you know i don't know eight or ten years 
is, but I started putting it into play just because of pressure. Braid to fluoro with your flipping and pitching. Have you been working that setup at all? And, and do you, what are the advantages or disadvantages you think with something like that? I think it's something that maybe could possibly be an advantage. I haven't done it, and I've got a short, compact, really vicious hook set. Right. You come off the floor of the boat when you set that hook, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I preach, you know, the main deal is keep the rod no higher than 2 o'clock. If you can't see the tip of the rod with your eyes, your rod tip is too high. And, and what that allows me to do is basically as soon as I detect a bite, I turn the handle, real handle, about three revolutions. And I unload from my toes to my ears. And I'm just afraid of that knot being in the middle, failing and until I had an opportunity to go play with it, I don't know there's something I could do. If you got a slower sweeping set, probably be great. It's kind of like golf. My swing is my swing, and at my age, I don't need to be messing with my swing. <laughs> I got you. All right, well, hey, let's hold this thought real quick. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back with more Bass Edge Radio chatting with BASS Elite Series angler Matt Heron. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with BASS Elite Pro Matt Heron in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to check out the entire lineup on the Bass Edge store. Visit them at BassEdge.com. It works. All right, Matt, let's go into hook designs and bait selections for flipping and pitching. Hook designs, a lot of stuff out there. You got your EWGs, your round bends, straight shanks. What are some scenarios where you would use different types of hooks, and what are you looking for out of a hook to accomplish your flipping and pitching tasks? You know, flipping and pitching, I only use one. I am a, a real fan of a straight shank, round bend style hook, and it's two different deals. I use one wire diameter for fluorocarbon applications and another wire diameter for braid applications and that's the only variable difference that i do and some guys fall in love with you know with the ewg i know guys out here on tour that's an ewg style guy uh, they love it but i've just throughout my my career i've played with all of them my strike catch ratio is uh way better with a straight shank round bend hibusa is the hook that i'm using the fpp i run into that hook on tackle warehouse gosh, five or six years ago by chance. And I saw the design of it and I gave it a try and man, what an incredible hook. The point of it is unbelievable. You get into a lot of hooks where the tip wants to tweak over and bend and the high boost, it doesn't do it whenever you hit a ball or a rock or stuff. So that style hook is my choice though. The uh, round bend, straight shank. That's great information right there, Matt. Let's get into some bait selections. You've been running a reaction innovations wrap for uh, several years. That sweet beaver, it doesn't have a whole lot of actions kind of have that slow gliding action when do you like to use those types of actions versus something with a little bit more uh you know say ribbon tail or has some flappers on it what kind of baits do you feel like are necessities in your world for flipping and pitching the reaction 
Innovations Beaver is probably my number one bait has been for the last God knows how many years. It's probably the most copied, imitated bait in this industry today. That thing's incredible, and it, and it duplicates or it replicates about every kind of forage in the basses, right, you know, as far as in their, in their appetite selections. Most of the time, if I'm fishing in a pressure situation, I'm the guy that kind of likes to go to uh, something that don't have a lot of kick, a lot of action at all. But if I'm fishing, let's say, in the spawn and the fish, what I call, they get a kind of on a, on a wiggly deal, like a lizard or man bear pig, a new reaction innovation spade. It's a kind of a brush hog slash beaver cross deal. I love something with a little kick or a little wiggle in the spring. And then, you know, we go on into the summer and I'm still a tube guy. I still fish the pool out of a boom, boom tube, a reaction innovation boom, boom tube, and a big worm. So there's all kind of baits out there, but my number one mainstay go-to to this day is still the uh, reaction innovation beaver. Hard to get away from the stuff that uh, got you to the dance, isn't it, Matt? Well, it really is, you know, and, and a lot of guys get hung up on baits, and a lot of guys get hung up on color and stuff, but to me, uh, I'm all about fall rate as far as the speed of the rate of the fall and location. If you look at my boat today, there's probably six colors of beavers in the boats I'll carry. So I'm not real hung up on color. I mean, if you look in there at the, at the man bear pigs, that brush hog style bait, there's probably six colors. I'm a guy that's about uh, how fast is it falling and what's his zip code. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stupid simple. Ain't nothing fancy. There's a lot of tools that we can use to catch these fish, but it's all about his address. That's right. And speaking of address, okay, sometimes when you live in the city, the buildings are a lot closer, and when you're out in the country, they're a lot further away. So let's talk about proximity regarding flipping and pitching in an approach in close quarters. How important is your casting as far as making noise or how your boat position is worked while fishing through areas that you kind of like to target? That is the number one area that I think determines success and failure in flipping and pitching. Boat control presentation is an absolute necessity with that technique. I think a lot of guys that don't necessarily control their boat that well limit their opportunities to catch these fish. When you're flipping and pitching, your first presentation to me is 90% of success or failure. When you're presenting your bait to a target, it's got to be on the money with dead precision stealth. No ripple, no splash is the number one thing. And then number two is boat control. In the shallower water, I try to stay off or especially in clear water, I try to make a long pitch. If it's a little dirty or you got a little depth there, it's not as critical. But the other thing that I see folks doing right now with the trolling motor, I feel it's hurting some of their success is the uh, put it on about 80% and burp the button. I'll be in an area around some of my competitors and they got that trolling motor turned up on a, on a higher speed and every now and then they'll hit the button and you'll hear it wash up under the front of the boat and I know that in an area those fish hear that for 30 or 40 yards in either direction of it. The way I like to run my trolling motor is I'll actually go to a slower speed, 30%, but I never take my foot off the button. And at the end, if you timed us out on the end of a 100-yard stretch of fishing, I'll probably fish that 100 yards faster than the guy that's burping the trolling motor just because he's stopping and starting and he's constantly washing his targets in his water. So try that. If you want to see something that will make a difference in your flipping and pitching, go to a slower speed, put your foot on the trolling motor, and don't take it off, and make exact, precise presentations. Think about Every time you see a target, I got one chance to catch that fish. Where is he? And it's got to be on the money. That's a great tip right there, Matt. You talk a little bit about working down the bank and going in at slow speed and being stealth, but a consistent movement. You hear a lot of days and a lot of guys talk about their sonar, you know, in shallow water. Do you tend to turn yours off? Do you keep it on? Do you think that's an important factor? Do you think that affects the fish pressure-wise? What's your thoughts there about keeping your sonar on once you've got something dialed in and 
you're fishing shallow water. You know, in the spring of the year, I try to be as stealthy as possible, and I do. I shut sonar down. The only thing I leave on is mapping with a clock on it most days. You know, in practice, I may leave it on just because a lot of these lakes, you know, we go to, I may not necessarily be familiar with the areas that I'm fishing. So I still need sonar as far as I'm looking at whether the bottom's hard or the depth or trying to, you know, some of the things that I'm looking for as far as trying to establish a pattern. But once I've located those fish and we actually go into tournament mode, sonar gets shut down. And one of the great things about the Hummingbird Onyx is that I'm running with a touch pad. I can touch one button and shut the sonar off on those things. So it's really easy to go in and out of it. But yes, turn the sonar off. Have you uh, been able to use the, uh, I know you're a Minn Kota Hummingbird guy and Talons. And, and how about the spot lock? You use the spot lock at all with your uh, Ultrax for flipping and pitching techniques? You know, I actually am. And uh, I've been running the 10 and the 12-foot Talons in the years coming up to this year. And this year, because of the uh, Ultrax, I've gone to 8-foot Talons. Pretty much anything over 8-foot, I'm spot locking on. That trolling motor has absolutely changed this industry. Every day I use it, I find a new application for some reason. Well, I love it. It's an amazing tool. Matt, this has been an awesome interview, and I actually had a brainstorm with a buddy of mine yesterday while I was working on some of these questions, and this listener question segment is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats, and through this segment, Bill Lortz from Rochester, New York, and I were putting our heads together thinking of a few different things that really we wanted to ask and understand, so I'll kind of break this into a couple of sections. This is my big question. Weights. You talked a little bit earlier about, you know, rate of fall you've got kind of regular cone style worm weights and you've got flipping weights what do you feel like are the advantages of one versus the other and then at the same time how do you decipher what rate of fall you really need is it the type of cover is it the reaction of the fish let's talk about weights and style of weights and why you would use a particular size you know i've used both style weights i use the flipping style weight and the worm style weight there's a definite reason why and where that i use each Flipping style weights are a little shorter, rounded, more compact, and uh, keep the bait closer, what I feel like, closer to the nose and up on the bait. And that compact weight allows me to flip and pitch a lot easier and more effectively. And then the worm style weight, anytime I, you know, if I'm making long presentations in grass type cover, I like the smaller diameter and size of the casting style weight. So yeah, there's an application reason for both, but I do use both style weights. Gotcha. Now, how about different types of heads? Let's say we're uh, flipping and pitching jigs, you know, an arky head versus a structure head or, you know, your kind of finesse ball head jig. What are some specific reasons that you like to use one or the other? You know, I actually use all of the above. And there are more tools in the toolbox to use for different applications. I'm an arky or I'd say arky or M&M style head guy for flipping and pitching majority of the time with my jigs. That style head performs tenfold better than a pointy style head in rock and wood but on the flip side to that you know i like a, a more pointy style head to flip and pitch grass dirty jigs is, who I, is, is the jigs that i'm using now and i've redesigned the jig that i've been using since the 70s it's kind of an m&m style head is what i call it some people want to call it an arky but arky has kind of got a head that's kicked up on a 60 degree angle or a 30 degree angle with this jig that i'm fishing with does not it'll soon to be on the market it's an absolutely incredible jig you know the finesse style jigs they're absolutely weapons in rock 
and that type of situation. Anytime you're fishing for spotted bass, smallmouth, or even largemouth up in some of the clear water lakes, like up in the Ozarks or stuff, those things absolutely excel. But yeah, keep in mind that you can do a lot of things with the same bait, kind of like a, a one jig catch-all, and they'll work most of the time. It's just there's better jigs for each application. That's the purpose for them different styles. Gotcha. Now, tungsten inserts or none? Do you like to use the tungsten with inserts? Do you think it matters? Do you think the way that they're making tungsten these days there's still issues with line abrasion what's your thought process there you know as long as my tungsten weights are diamond drilled okay i feel like i don't need an insert Elite Tungsten is a tungsten company that I've been using their products now for about the last six years. And I've had zero line of resistance abrasion issues, but those weights are diamond drilled. So make sure, you know, when you go select a tungsten weight, that it's either diamond drilled or it has an insert. Because there's some of them out there that are on the lower end budget tungsten stuff that I don't know whether it's because of the way that the actual hole is being drilled through the deal or if it's a powder coating where they powder coat them in there, you're getting some real problems there. But yeah. Yes, with tungsten, you got to make sure that it's either diamond drill or got an insert. I think that comes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, but also on several episodes of Bass Edge. It's the precision manufacturing, kind of like what you had mentioned with your hooks about the tip. It's those little things that often make a tremendous difference. And when you have as much money on the line, or quite honestly, even if you're not fishing a tournament, the weekend guy who only has maybe a day or two to take off and go fishing or a weekend, you want to make sure that you're able to execute when the bite presents itself and certainly not have a broken line or a hook that doesn't get good penetration, you wind up losing the fish. Sure, you know, whether you're a guy that makes a living like I do or a guy that, that sits around and works five days a week and you love to get out on the water and you invest a lot of money and effort and time, you want to have some success and enjoy your day on the water. So that little bit of research is well worth the investment of your time to make sure that you have a more enjoyable experience on the water. That's for certain. And uh, certainly, Matt, I wanted to thank you for answering that question very, very in depth and bill certainly appreciate you sending in that question specifically for matt heron and bass edge but we need one other thing for you please contact us through facebook or any of our social media platforms or simply send us an email support at bassedge.com and the final option is to log on to bassedge.com click on that claim your prize and we will get out the gift card for sending in that question as always a reminder to bass edge listeners get those questions keep coming through our website bassedge.com our social media we've got a lot of great gifts to follow in the months of 2018 so uh, be sure you email those in support a bass edge leave them on those social media platforms we will look forward to answering them right here on the show well matt certainly a wealth of knowledge and information that are going to help bass edge nation when their time is on the water and i just want to say thanks for breaking that down for all of us any final thoughts or, or points that you feel like we didn't cover no you know the biggest thing with flipping and pitching that this is such a broad top topic and there's such a broad application of what you can and can't flip and pitch flipping and pitching is nothing more than a short cast and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a thick piece of cover think of flipping and pitching as this guys flipping and pitching is a stealthy way to present your bait to a place or a target or an area that you think that's precisely where the fish lives that's all it is there's nothing more than that it's a shorter cast, and it allows guys to cover more water. Keep that in mind, and I think that things will start clicking as far as, hey, where can I use this deal, and, and how can I more effectively catch fish with it? Good stuff. Matt, I'm going to send you off with four last questions for you, a little segment that we have here, kind of rapid fire. Some of these you might want to expand on, but uh, ribeye or sirloin? Ribeye. 
Roll Tide or War Eagle? Roll Tide, bro. <laughs> Your favorite Alabama fishery? Neely Henry. Really? That's out there a little bit. I like that one. Well, it's just wherever you grew up and learned how to bass fish is always home. That's and, right. Uh, that's where I grew up and learned how to fish, and I still live there today, and that's just my spot. That's all. It's a fun lake. Large mouth, spotted bass, lots of big spotted bass, too. That's a great fishery. I've been able to be on there one time before. What is your favorite vacation destination? Upstate New York. Anywhere <laughs> you up get so many rock. bites, right? <laughs> Well, it's about the bites, man, but if you look around and you look at that place, God, it's beautiful up there. The weather's always great, other than I don't go up there in the wintertime. Y'all can have that. But uh, <laughs> I love to go up there in the fall. God, it's beautiful. You catch 20 pounds of large mouth, 20 pounds of small mouth, you know, just whatever. It's heaven up there in the fall. That's awesome, man. Well, Matt, I super appreciate you being on the show. Thanks again for everything. And obviously, we're wishing you continued success in your 2018 Elite Series campaign. Bass Edge Radio will be right back after this message. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. You know, Kurt, after 280 episodes, obviously we've covered flipping and pitching and a lot of different techniques. We talk about it many times. How many ways can you present the same thing? But Matt did a wonderful job across the whole episode. But two things that really stuck out to me was running that trolling motor on the 30% constant and minimizing that backwash versus, yeah. you know, kind of burping it. And then also, if you can't see your rod tip, it's too high. And he was referencing there on the hook set. I thought those were really two nuggets. Yeah, two great nuggets. I think real important with the rod tip being able to see it when flipping and pitching because it always keeps you hook set ready you know when you're fishing open water not as important because really in open water having your rod tip high really is important for working the lure correctly you know crawling it's very slowly through the bottom whereas if your rod tip is down you're moving the bait a lot more in the water column which is not necessarily good but as matt mentioned in flipping and pitching it's critical you got to be hook set ready it's close combat fishing and he's one of the best i want to throw out there, I threw out the question to Matt, the braided to fluorocarbon line. If you're flipping and pitching in medium to heavy cover, these fish are wise. They get wise to things. And I think that's something to toy with for um, anglers out there that want to try and move to a different step or do something a little bit different than their competition is doing. Tie your favorite braid to fluoro knot, you know, whatever kind of knot you might use in your spinning rod application. If you're a braid to fluoro guy and your spinning rods drop shot and that kind of stuff, which obviously helps reduce line twist on that spinning techniques, but when you're doing that flipping and pitching, you'll be surprised. 
you tie that knot correctly, it'll hold. And I've been using it some, and I really like it. I know there are several guys on tour that have been using it for years, and I've used it off and on for years, but really I'm starting to use it more and more. And I think that fluorocarbon, even in heavy cover, pressured fish, makes a difference, gets a few extra bites, but still need that braided line to really jerk them out of there and have that quick response. So um, something to try for Bass Edge listeners on that deal. Yeah, good information there. And hey, Speaking of quick response, I'm hooks at ready. We're in the middle of practice. I know you are too. But a couple quick reminders before we shut it down. Keep up to speed with everything Bass Edge through our social media applications. Remember, we have every month great giveaways. There's still time to uh, check out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out what's going on there. Follow the directions and you are certainly entered to win some of those great prizes that we have going on. All things Bass Edge, videos, articles, all of our goods, right? Anything from the DVDs to Jay's book that seems to be just flying off the shelf to all the Lucas products, to MegaWare Keelguard products. There's a whole laundry list of things that will help put more fish in the boat. And then finally, you know, I just want to throw out a thanks to everyone for continuing to tune in to Bass Edge Radio. Kurt and I both really appreciate you choosing to spend your valuable time with us, and we certainly enjoy it. But in the meantime, we are out of here. We're going to shut this down. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we wish you a wonderful two weeks filled with big fish. So long everybody we will see you june 1st episode 281 the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.